Well, good morning, good morning. And it is Sunday, it is 7.30, and that means it is the gardening show. So good morning, everyone, and welcome. I am A.B. Bishop, and I am here in the studio. I'm just overly excited this morning because we have two 3CR newbies to the show, two horticulturalists. I'm very excited. Um, So with me in the studio today... I'm going to introduce them one at a time so that um, people get a chance to uh, listen to their voices and so we can differentiate between them and um, and hang shit on them later. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, I'd like to give a really big welcome to somebody who listeners may actually know already. It is the self-proclaimed horticulturalist of many hats, Chloe Thompson. Oh, thanks, A.B. Good morning. How are you, Chloe? Good, thank you. Lovely to be here. Fantastic to have you. Nice drive in. Yeah, it was beautiful. And as you said, the moon this morning was just magic. I had to keep my eyes on the road. (laughs) I know, I know. It's a full moon at the moment and lying in bed last night, have a uh, window that doesn't have any blinds on it and the moon was just poking through at this most beautiful angle I just lay there, I couldn't actually sleep last night so I lay there for a while just kind of um, enjoying the moon and uh, yeah, sucking up its energy Yeah, beautiful Yeah, I I feel like the moon has been with me since childhood in a way, just giving me its really good vibes and energy. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's lovely to see. It is. Yeah. Okay. So now you are definitely the horticulturalist of many hats. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I thought I thought we'd just give listeners a, a bit of a brief overview of each mm-hmm. of you to start with, and then we'll um, get stuck into the show, and then we'll give everyone a bit more information about you both as well. So tell us a bit about. Chloe. So I tend to call myself the horticulturalist of many hats because. People say to me, what do you do? And I go, oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) everything, (laughs) bit of everything. (laughs) So I do um, copywriting um, for a number of horticultural businesses. Um, I do uh, writing for the Good Organic Gardening magazine. I also do video presenting and production for a number of horticultural businesses. Mm -hmm. So for their online video, for their social media. Um, And I uh, do content creation for a number of businesses as well. So their emails, their social media. so, yeah. I do a lot of things. I do a lot yeah. of random things. Yeah. And you were part of the Gardenettes? I was part of the Gardenettes, yes. yeah. So we did that for four years. Yep. Um, we finished up a year and a bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That was an online gardening show. Yep. Um, so I'm really passionate about um, using the online platforms to share my knowledge and enthusiasm about gardening. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will follow you already on Instagram. You've been there, dug that. Are you being there, dug that on Facebook as well? I am, yeah, yes. Like yeah. Been like the one you eat, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> been, yeah, been there, dug that. Absolutely the best name ever. <laughs> um, and your content is just superb. Oh, and thank you. we followed the uh, the uh, story of your new garden, and we'll we'll get to that later. But yeah, there's um, yep. certainly uh, the horticulturalist of many hats. Yes. Yes, fantastic. Okie dokie. Well, our second guest today is a young woman with a passion for all elements of horticulture and the environment and who also happens to be a colleague of mine at Karanga Native Nursery. Welcome, Michaela Hamilton. Thanks, A.B. Thanks for having me on the show. Fantastic. How was your trip in today? Uh, Yeah, it was fine. It was uh, not a far trip. Um, really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, I'm pretty sure you'd be getting those moon vibes as well. Yes, no, definitely. You oh, are. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for fantastic. Sure. Now, give us a bit of a, um, a... Oh, actually, no, before we get to that, before we get to the uh, sort of nitty-gritty of what makes... Uh, Michaela Tick, I just wanted to give Michaela the award for the most <laughs> organised um, 
3CR guest ever. So Michaela asked me, she sent me a text yesterday saying, oh, I don't have a printer. Would you be able to print out my notes for the show? I was like, yeah, of course I can. Anyway, <laughs> eight pages later. <laughs> so Michaela, I'm so impressed with how organised you are. And yeah, kudos to you. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, um, we have to work our way through uh, Michaela's eight pages of notes today. Oh. So there's, there's a lot to talk about. And I do love to talk. So. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, good, lucky for us, you like to talk about plants. So yes. that's fantastic. So why don't mm-hmm. you give us maybe a brief snap, snapshot of, of who you are? Yep, okay. So uh, I kind of came into the world of horticulture when I was about 15 years old. My mm-hmm. stepdad had a garden maintenance business, which... Um, He asked me to jump on board and see if I liked it. Uh, Obviously, I loved it. Um, It's how I kind of discovered my passion and how I got to where I am today. Uh, I worked in a wholesale tree production nursery there, so I kind of saw the start of where the plants start their life, sort of. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I finished my qualification in land management and conservation. Um, And then after that, I worked as a gardener again because I loved it. And then now I'm at Karanga and I'm loving it even more and um, I get to work every day talking about things that I'm passionate about, working with plants that I'm passionate about and constantly learning um, new amazing plants and different ways to use them in the garden. Yeah, I have to say that is one of the best uh, things of being working in a nursery is A, your colleagues who everyone's got different levels of expertise and different things that they love to learn about and talk about. And then there's the customers who come in and um, obviously want help with plants and gardens and is that not just one of the best things at work? It's the best. I get to talk about what I love all day long to people who actually want to hear it. Um, And sometimes you can learn a lot from a customer as well. And like you learn to come up with different plants for different situations in the garden. You've got to think on the spot. So I kind of like the challenge of that as well. Yeah. And then people come back in a year's time and bring you photos. I always say to people when they come (laughs) in and I give them a hand. Bring back your photos later and, and show us how the garden's going, and that, that's all always very exciting. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okie dokie. So what I might do, there's usually at this um, point in time, there's um, quite a number of community announcements, but um, given, the, um, given the fact that we're all on the naughty step at the moment <laughs> and no one's allowed anywhere, um, yeah, there's only literally one community announcement. Unfortunately, Stephen Ryan's garden was going to be open today, so that's, well, this mm. weekend, so that's a bummer, but I, I'm pretty sure they're looking at rescheduling that. So, um, yeah, so I'll get on to the one little community announcement. And this is sort of one which um, carries on through the whole year. Uh, this is for Ripponley Estate, and uh, many people will know it's at 192 Hotham Street in Elstonwick, uh, and their website is simply ripponleyestate.com.au. Uh, not during COVID, but every other day it's open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They have the Trust Makers Market on the first Sunday of the month, and that goes from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., and that's a really beautiful. Um, uh, market atmosphere on the lawns there, lots of tents and things with uh, handmade art, jewellery, fashion, lots of food. And that's only a gold coin donation to enter. And um, and at the moment, now this is supposed to be for the kids, but really I, I, I actually think it's for anyone. I think gardeners are, you know, kids at heart. So um, I'm sure every gardener would, would want to get down there and have a look at this. It's called the Gruffalo Trail too. Oh, fun. And if anyone knows the story... 
of the Gruffalo. It's a um, character about a mouse who explores a European forest. So you can download the app, which is the Gruffalo Trail 2, and um, it takes you on a bit of a journey through Rip and Lee. So um, obviously not on at the moment, but uh, when it when things open back up, um, good chance to get down there and explore Rip and Lee. Have you guys been to Rip and Lee? I don't think I've been since I was a teenager. Not for a while. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. But I'd love to go, and I love the sound of the Gruffalo Trail. Oh, fantastic. I think I can read that book without even looking at the picture. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can identify with yeah. that mouse yeah, exploring everything. Yeah. And that's what it's like at Ripon Lee. Have you been down there yet? No, no, I've always yeah. driven past it. I've just never had the time to actually go and have a look. But by the sounds of it, it sounds like a good idea to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know they, um, I mean, they do an incredible job. Um, just oh, wow, you know, getting on top of all those gardens and there's so there's I can't remember how many acres it is. It's pretty big, and there's that incredible fernery, really beautiful old uh, timber fernery, and wow. there's a veggie growing patch and all sorts of things. So oh, yeah, I must get down. yeah. If it, there's it, a fernery, I'm definitely yeah, going to be wanting to go. <laughs> Actually, Michaela's our um, becoming our fern expert at the nursery. Yes. So yeah, so I order them all in, and I'm constantly finding new amazing ferns and things. So I definitely have. An interest in that, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it when they all come in from the orders and they sit there on the trolley, and I test myself. I go through and try and, and guess them all. <laughs> there's some of them have got quite subtle differences, yes. and yeah. others, I mean, are quite obvious, like the bird's nest fern. Yeah, um, very, very obvious. So, how has your mm. idea with the ferns going? It's getting better. The more that I work with them, the more that I become more familiar with the names. Yeah. Um, and I love it because they have so many different types of textures to them which really um, contrast nicely with each other so I think that's probably what I appreciate most about a fernery yeah um, is the contrast in texture definitely so I'm always excited to find new ferns and see how they'd work yeah and how beautiful is our fernery in summer it's really beautiful. It takes a lot of watering it in does. summer, definitely. But, um, yeah, it's stunning. Yeah, it is. Just completely different climate when you get in there. It's just, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's yeah, really, really beautiful. Okay, so this is not specifically gardening related, but a lot of uh, gardeners are, of course, quite environmentally minded. So it is something that I wanted to bring up. This is um, the Baker family uh, are in Tassie. And uh, they emailed the gardening show earlier in the week uh, with a bit of a concern. And I I just thought I'd read it out and um, bring it to people's attention. So their email is, We live in Tasmania and are long-time fans of the wonderful garden show. At present, we are very concerned about the current permit application for a toxic tailings dam in the temperate rainforest of the Tarkine and hoped you could bring it to people's attention. Now, this is something that... um, you can hop online to change.org and sign the petition if you want. They're aiming for 25,000 signatures, and so far there's just over 17,000. And, um, yeah, if it's something like this is close to your heart, then please hop online and um, sign it. So, um, Michaela, I know in your extensive notes over there that <laughs> we now have a 400-page novel on the Tarkine Tailings rainforest. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I was very disappointed to hear about um, what's going on over there. Um, you know, it is one of Australia's largest temperate rainforests, um, and the company that is trying to push this forward, they're going through a lot of loopholes and things in the system to try and get things moving along but by the sounds of this um, there's been a lot of activism protesting and things so that's um, been going quite well 
But, um, yeah, it's quite disappointing that, you know, like there's been failure to survey two-thirds of the site, failure to provide impact reports, um, failure to provide survey results for specifically things like the mast owl and rare orchid species and things like that, which are obviously quite a concern. Um, and it's quite rich in um, Indigenous heritage as well there. So it's quite an important site, and I would definitely recommend um, writing a letter, signing a petition, uh, something like that, because it is quite a... Um, an issue, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, as you mentioned, it is uh, Australia's largest temperate rainforest and actually the second largest in the world. It's 500,000 or just under 500,000 hectares in northwest Tassie, so you can imagine how wild, rugged and mm, amazing yes. it is. And a lot of those trees are hundreds of years old. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this, this um, they proposed to destroy, the company proposes to destroy 285 hectares. Mm. And, um, I mean, it's... Not only that particular area, which is of concern, of course, because a tailings dam is essentially, um, and this is something I've recently learned because I knew nothing about a tailings dam, but it's essentially a dam that's created for any of the um, slurry or anything like that that's sort of, um, yeah, just going to be dumped there permanently. And um, often it's extremely toxic or at at best, it's toxic. At worst, it's radioactive. Oh, goodness. And um, causes, yeah, enormous environmental problems, both with the um, it, the water, obviously, with mm. the, anything in the environment. So, mm. um, yeah, it's really sad. But I think even, like, adding to that, like, the company's actually already begun roadworks and prep for drilling before even get appro- getting approval of the project assessment yeah. for commencing. Yeah. So it's already happening but it hasn't been approved, so already the damage is kind of being done. It's, mm. yeah, very frustrating. I think mm. a lot of the time um, many of us hit our heads against the wall with the um, what we see as the stupidity and non-common sense of um, protecting the environment because once it's gone, it's yeah. actually gone. So, yeah, so if any of our listeners are keen to hop on board and sign that petition, uh, it may or may not be something that you're interested in, but that's at uh, change.org and the petition is say no to toxic tailings dam in the Tarkine. So thank you very much to the Baker family for bringing that to our attention. Okay, what is the time? It's about quarter two, so probably time to um, open the lines, or open the line, I should say, and we do have a text number as well. Uh, To talk to us in the studio, it's 94190155. Uh, we don't have anyone on the outside line today. Sorry about that. Uh, if you want to send us in a text, 0488 809 So you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show, and I'm here in the studio with Chloe Thompson and Michaela Hamilton. So please feel free to um, give us a call, say good day, ask a question. Lemon questions are banned. Just joshing. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll endeavour to answer. If we can't answer it, I mean, obviously there's the um, the case where sometimes we don't know or we don't know enough, and um, we can't find it on Mr. Google while we're in here. Um, I'll certainly do a bit of extra research for you and and find out for you. So um, yeah, so we will. Yeah, get on to that as soon as someone moves in. Sounds like a good plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Chloe. Now, I have a long list of things to ask you. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you... (laughs) I haven't got any notes. (laughs) (laughs) You can borrow mine. 
<laughs> yeah, Chloe and I like, oh, I'm driving up the driveway this morning. Oh, shit, better grab some plants and pull them and stick your hand out the car window. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Now, as I was mentioning, uh, we have been following your gardening journey mm-hmm. on Instagram. So tell us a little bit about your garden and, and the, yeah, the, it's a tricky site and yeah, what you're really doing is Yeah, it's a really tricky amazing. site. So we live on a quarter acre block mm-hmm. um, in suburbia, about 45 minutes northeast out of Melbourne. Um, but our block has a 33% slope. So 33 degrees. I won't go up the driveway. Yeah, Amy's <laughs> a bit of a chicken. She makes me walk down. <laughs> Um, so it's really steep. Um, and the block, it's kind of divided into terraces with the house in the centre terrace. Mm-hmm. So we then have a backyard and we have a front yard. Um, and they're sort of levelled terrace areas, although the backyard's not quite so level. Um, and when we first bought the block seven years ago, there wasn't a single plant anywhere. Like, uh, no, no, none. And in fact, the people who had lived there before us had lived there for 12 years and the very front garden right outside the front door, they had put down black plastic builder's mulch and then they'd put about 20 centimetres of that hideous dyed red <laughs> mulch. <Lovely. laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, no. Um, and then, I don't know, they must have sprayed it with pathweeder or something because I didn't see a weed even grow in the mulch for about 10 months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how much they hated plants. Oh, that's such a shame, isn't mm. it, really? So that terrible. people are, are so terrified of gardening that they Is can't that? even put one thing in. And that's, I know. Yeah, I think we've got a, a big job to do, girls. Exactly. You know, exactly. <laughs> Make exactly. it easy. Easy for people. Yes, and I mean, this was probably the easiest garden bed to garden in the whole block because it was a raised garden bed. It was brought in soil. Um, So we had to remove the black plastic. We had to... The soil's not disgusting disgusting underneath. It was dead. All that hideous red dyed mulch is gone. Improved all the soil, but... That was probably one of the first projects we tackled right near the front door so yep. that we could have that sense of achievement. Yep. Um, but we moved on to the backyard, and that's probably the one that you're talking about the it most. Is. So we started that in July 2019 in the backyard, and we finished it about six months later. Mm-hmm. Completely DIY project. Um, just my husband and I, um, we did get my dad, who's an engineer, out to help Phyllis. us. Yes. Cheating. Yep. <laughs> well, I needed some calculations done. So our backyard, we created some terraced stairs um, up to a small um, lawn platform. It's only a nine square metre lawn at the top of the terraced stairs. Um, but I needed to understand the rise and the run. So Dad had to do the maths for me to work it out. Because you want each step to be even. Of or course. as mm, even yep, as you yep. can get. Otherwise, it really does screw with your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Dad came out with his engineering surveying (laughs) tools and said right needs to be this far and that tall and yeah away we went um but yeah it was a labor of love over six months um there's zero machine access into our backyard none so um yeah if you jump on my instagram and have a look you'll understand how we built up our muscles over six months and Um, i know you were very clever with uh, what you did for your stairs yeah so we used this product that um is a rusted uh, steel edging rusted um, core tend steel i think is Mm. the correct terminology it's called straight curve Mm -hmm. um and it comes flat and then you bend it into shape so the stairs are not straight they're curved like little um half moons all the way up there's nine of them and then they're backfilled with um, a nice 20 mil um pebble yeah and was it easy to install that yeah really easy to install it's actually easier to install than putting like the h beams and then the red gum sleepers yeah because you're not having to dig Ah. 
um, um, for yep. the post, yep. and then you're not having to haul concrete up. Yeah, so it's just stakes or something. So there's these massive nails. I'm holding yep. my fingers up, of course. <laughs> people can't see, but it's about about 40 centimetre long big nails yep. that get driven into the ground um, along the base of each curve. Okay. Um, so they're not going anywhere. Wow. You can pull on them and they don't move. So really yeah. good for a, for a steep... Perfect for a steep block. Yeah. yeah, and I just love the fact, I, I like the natural aspect of the curve. Yep. It feels like it's working with the slope mm-hmm. rather than sort of putting a defined hard edge on it. Yeah, and, um, and your garden, is it divided into zones? Yeah, it is really. Because of the way, um, I suppose, the house sits on the block, the different to- soil types, some being raised garden beds, some being the natural rubbishy soil that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, our backyard is on the south side of the house, but the back slope actually faces full north. So that's mm. my veggie mm. garden, yeah. that's my native daisies, that's, um, you know, a beautiful sunny spot. But then I've got other areas where it's full shade around the backside, and so I've got bamboos and um, hydrangeas and things that love that, that coolness and the shade. Yeah. I've got an area right outside our back door which um, gets whacked by the hot west afternoon sun. So I've got a cacti and succulent garden there. Fabulous. So you've really considered the microclimates around the place. Yeah. And it's actually quite fun like that. I often think to myself, I don't know if I could live on a block that was completely flat and all the same. Yeah, Yeah, it certainly does add an element. I think especially if you make it safe and you make it enjoyable to get around the place. Because I know you've created some level pathways to each of the different sections. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, you need those connecting pathways. Not so much level, but yes, yeah, yeah, they stairs. Level. But yeah, <laughs> flat they stairs. look pretty level. It's yeah. an amazing job, and you've got a gorgeous lawn at the top. Yeah, we've got a lawn at the top, and we've now got one in the front yard as well. Um, and you know, I'm a huge fan. It's only nine, ten square meters in the backyard, but yep. that lawn on a stinking hot summer's day, you sit up there. It's beautiful and cool. Yeah. It's just bliss. Yeah. And how do you mow it? Do you have like a guinea pig or a rabbit or something? Tiny little um, battery operated lawnmower. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and because it's so light, I can just pick the lawnmower up with one hand and, you know, it takes like six minutes to mow the back lawn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Done. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I know you've got fantastic plants there, but honestly, the thing which really captivates me most, I. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? You have this amazing bath in the backyard. <laughs> I do have a bath in my backyard, yes. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually a fairly recent addition, um, sort of over the summer that was just gone. Um, I had for a long time wanted a claw foot bath in the backyard. I dreamed one day of the kids kept saying, you know, we want a spa or we want a swimming pool. It's never going to happen. Swimming pool in our place. Yeah, yeah good luck. <laughs> Not sure how you carry that one in. Um, so I found a beautiful clawfoot bath mm-hmm. um, on Gumtree, <coughs> excuse me, and um, I redid it. So I bought it from this bloke um, and he had it in his family for an awfully long time. I think it was taken out of his grandma's house. Brought it home and it was in, it was in pretty good nick. So all I really needed to do was just to sand it back and to repaint it. Mm -hmm. Um, You can use like a tub and tile paint for the inside, so it's got that nice glossy shine. And then on the outside, I've done a lovely, um, I suppose, British racing green kind of a green colour. And, of course, it's got the beautiful brass claw feet. 
Um, and yeah, it's just magic. Is it plumbed in? At the moment, it's not plumbed in. But mm-hmm. what I've done is because it's not that far from the main bathroom, mm-hmm. I've actually connected a hose to the tap in the main bath, mm-hmm. and then I just poke it out the window, turn the tap on, <laughs> and it fills up the bath. And then water the garden when you need exactly. To. Yep. Damn so nice. then I've got a connected like a grey water diversion hose to mm-hmm. the outlet. Yep. So yeah, I just unfurl that and pull the plug out and off it goes. Excellent. Yeah, that's bliss. That must be beautiful, just lying there in warm bath, having a glass of whatever under the stars. Yeah, it's magic. Um, And I say to the kids, you know, I'll give you a call and when I'm done and then you can get (laughs) it. Yeah, (laughs) hop in the dirty water. Yeah. (laughs) It's like when you're in a really big family, the eldest gets to go first. Yeah. By the time the two-year-old is, it's just like brown. Uh, Now, Michaela, you uh, recently moved house. Yes, I did. Rental property, and um, now I can't quite remember. I think you might have said there's an azalea there in the garden. No, there's camellias. There's 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 lots of camellias. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you obviously do you get to work in the garden there at all, or is it more about Um, your indoor garden? Well. I'm more so focused on my indoor garden and all my eucalypts that I keep in pots. Mm-hmm. Um, moving house, probably the biggest move that I had to do was moving all of my plants yep. to fit them all in my <laughs> car. <laughs> now, can I just say, yeah. did your housemate know that you were the mother of 800 plants before you moved in? <laughs> I did warn them before I moved in. I said, look, just so you know, I have quite a few plants to bring through. <laughs> yeah. um, but in terms of the indoor side of things, look, uh, to be honest, I've never... Um, I've never really ventured into that, but mm-hmm. only recently I've kind of started to get into it. But most of my indoor plants are Australian natives mm-hmm. that I'm kind of having a go at. Um, so I'm the moment I've got like a Morton Bay fig, which I've got, which is a great alternative. Yep. Um, I've also got a few different types of ferns, native ferns. Um, I've also got a recent addition, which is a Dracophyllum secundum. So it's really, really interesting sort of foliage, um, beautiful flowers flowering at the moment. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of entering into that. And then also outside, I've got all my eucalypts. So most of them are like rare mallies, things like that, which need that really well-drained soil, which can guarantee where I'm living, we do not have well-drained soil. Yeah. It's a lot of clay yeah. and it's very cold. Yeah, so that's <laughs> so. why you've chosen to put them in pots? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also so I can take them wherever I go because obviously <laughs> I'm renting and yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll get to all our plants later. I'm very happy to see that everybody's brought natives in. Yeah. <laughs> my dream. I'm going to turn 3CR Gardening Show into a native-owned platform. <laughs> no, very good. So what, what plants are succeeding for you indoors? Um, so as I mentioned, the Morton Bay fig's doing really well, mm-hmm. um, even though most people say it does require that full sun sort of position, but it's been thriving really well. Um, I've also got this other fern called Hyperlepis dentata. It's got really interesting mm. foliage on it. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard anyone using it indoors really, so I thought it'd be a good challenge for me to see how it would go. And so far I've been able to keep it alive for yep. a few months, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> that is a good thing. Um, I've also got a mother shield fern as well, mm-hmm. um, and that's going quite well indoors also. Um, oh, obviously bird's nest fern. Too. They're mm-hmm. super hardy. Oh, are they not? I, I can't believe I, how yeah. hardy they are. They don't, I haven't watered mine for, I don't know, five weeks or something, yeah. and it still <laughs> looks fantastic. Um, and then also what I've been quite successful in is the rough maiden hair fern. Oh, so, like, not your normal sort of one. The um, Yeah, the rough one I find I lives in our bathroom. Um, and it is absolutely thriving. I, don't, I barely need to water it. Um, 
Do you think it's tougher than the uh, normal? Absolutely, absolutely. Like if people struggle to keep maidenhair ferns indoors and alive, um, I definitely Mm. recommend this as an alternative. And it's native too, which is always a positive for me. Yeah, it's it's really um, quite delicate sort of foliage still. um, And it can actually have... um, tinges of different colours in it too, like a little bit of a reddy sort of tinge Ooh, in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, I'm very tempted now to give this one a go. Yeah. I've had maidens before and they're so fickle, I find. The they traditional are. Ma- you move them, you know, 20 centimetres to the right mm-hmm. to dust oh. and they die. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> We've got a... Um, I'm on quite a steep... Um, sort of hillside on one section and it faces east and it drops down quite steeply down to the river and on that east slope it's just covered in maiden hair fern but as soon as you get up just a tiny bit where they get a little bit more of the north and westerly yep. sun they mm. just don't thrive yeah. at all but down low they just yeah, yeah. I actually went for a walk along the Warburton Trail the other week and I saw heaps of them everywhere they Fantastic. looked gorgeous oh, yeah. Yeah. they'd be very happy at the moment with all the rain Definitely. Yeah, okay, sure. so just someone has texted through to ask for the um, change petition website. So thanks for asking for that. So that's just change.org is the um, place to go to. And the name of the petition is Say No to a Toxic Tailings Dam in the Tarkine. And um, someone else has also said, um, Hi, girls, should I start my tomatoes and corn now? Um, Yes. Yeah, so, oh, uh, the experienced <laughs> gardener up the road has already got some seedlings under glass and ready to go. Uh, so that's Kim. Hi, Kim. So what do we, what do we reckon? We're we putting in um, seeds now? Yeah, I normally get my tomatoes going um, at around the end of July. Yep. I start them indoors on a heat mat. Um, I'm the crazy lady whose tomato seedlings take over the lounge room. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm actually in the progress um, process of starting to build a uh, glass house made from recycled windows. So oh, hopefully my tomato babies can move from my uh, living room out into the glass house before then going out into the garden. So yeah, definitely. I'm starting tomatoes indoors now. I don't know about corn. I tend to just direct plant corn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, your tomatoes, capsicums, eggplants, I, you can get those going yeah. indoors now for sure. Solanacy things. So things yeah. that are going to absolutely jump out of their skins come spring. Yep. It's funny, isn't it? It's sort of winter. If you get them in put the seeds and they kind of pop up and they sit there for a little while thinking about things and then yeah. the weather warms and <laughs> days get a bit longer and all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness, there's a forest. In there. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get outside and plant. Exactly. Yep. What, are you going to be planting any veggies or anything you reckon? You're going to um, get no. rid of some of those camellias? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's that's not more. That's not really my sort of forte. I've never really loved it. But yeah. my granddad, he's like super into um, growing veggies, so he always has me supplied definitely fresh um, veg from his garden. So um, I kind of leave that up to him. That's very handy. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chloe, what have you got growing in your garden at the moment in terms of veggies? Pretty much all the leafy greens. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably have about oh, I don't know about eight or nine different types of leafy greens growing mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, I was really, really disappointed this winter. Rats ate mm. every oh, single one yeah. of my broccoli. Oh, no. It's so frustrating, isn't it? And oh. they know. I'm sure they hear you say, oh, better go and pick some uh, broccoli tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And then the next one you go, and I'll just eat the head out of that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's odd because they've left all the leafy greens alone. But mm. the heads of the cauliflowers and the broccolis, poof, gone. Mm. Yeah, 
it's so frustrating. It is. And the thing is, you can protect from rabbits, you can protect from possums and wallabies and things like that, but really, you cannot protect from rats. No, no. And I don't want to use baits. I've got a dog. Uh, There's beautiful tawny frog mouths in our back. I don't want to use baits. So I have put nets over the um, veggie gardens now, but it was probably a bit too late to keep them away from the brassicas. But I've got celery and carrots. Ooh, how'd you go with celery? Is that I love hard? celery. No, mm-hmm. celery is actually really easy. I prefer to grow it in the cooler months. Yeah. In the summer, it's just ugh. So when do yeah. you put it in? I tend to put it in sort of autumn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early autumn. Yeah. Um, it loves the cold. I think it makes it sweeter. And of course, it needs a lot of water as well. Yeah. So it's just easier mm. to do it in the wintertime when it's kind of getting watered itself. I think that's probably why I've always been so put my plants in and I was like oh well forgotten to water the plants yeah and look Mm. people say oh you need to blanch it by wrapping it in newspaper I don't bother like I don't Mm. you you don't need to it's still just as sweet because you've grown it from home um I just go out and rip off the occasional stalk as I need it rather than you know I don't pull the whole plant out of the ground um so yeah I love it Excellent. All right, I should let listeners know you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, in With me in the studio are Michaela Hamilton and Chloe Thompson. So if you've got a gardening question, feel free to uh, call in on 94190155. Um, or you can text us on 0488 809 and the producers have just told me you actually can call the outside line so it means you um, don't have to go on air so if you just want to have a chat or ask a question off air feel free to call 94198377 all right Michaela Ah, you yes. went for a little uh, trip down to uh, Phillip Island recently. Yes, yes, I did. You were very excited about it before you went. I was very excited <laughs> about it. Um, I hadn't really spent too much time down there, and I was really excited to check out some of the coastal vegetation down there. Mm-hmm. And also, I made a trip there to the Barb Martin Bushbank Native Nursery. Um, so they grow indigenous uh, tube stock there, indigenous plants to the area. Um, Where is that located? Uh, it's right near the um, Koala Conservation Centre. Oh, um, that is such a good yeah, spot. Yeah. yeah, so it was great. They had um, small, like, little display gardens of, like, um, like frontline coastal and then, like, more woodland sort of things. Like, it was it was really good. So they grow mostly or only indigenous? So only in Ditch. Yeah, okay. Only in Ditch. What's the name of it? Uh, it was called the Barb Martin Bush Bank Native Nursery. Oh, okay. So obviously named after someone who started it up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Um, but probably one of my favourite plants that I found there um, was the Limonium Australis. It's called Sea Lavender. Oh, nice. Just the name itself um, was really beautiful. So it looks like sort of like normal Limoniums, like the purple sort of ones, but it's more of like a uh, dusty cream sort of coloured flower, mm. a bit of a pinky tinge. But they collected that from Churchill Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite interesting. Um, and they also promote a lot for like... Uh, trees for koalas, mm-hmm. habitat, food, yeah. things like that. Because so there is still a good koala population on the island. There is, yeah. there is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was mainly, my, as I said before, like my main point of interest is eucalypts. So obviously I was really interested <laughs> yeah. to see what ones <laughs> naturally occur down there. So um, <clears throat> yeah, it was great. Uh, I did the Cape Bulamai walk. Mm-hmm. Um, How long did that take? Um, well, how long does it take well, another horticulture? I was just about to say. <laughs> Stopping every five seconds. <laughs> I was just about to say, I went by myself, which was great, because I could take my time to, like, look at things, um, appreciate them all. Look, mainly, I mainly saw things like um, like Tetragona, like 
uh, different so, types oh, of grasses. The grains, the Rogel grains. Yeah, yeah. Spinach yeah. substitute. Yeah, How yeah. How was that looking down there? It was like a carpet. Like yeah. it was a beautiful because like the rolling hills with that blanketed over it. Um, like the texture of the grasses, like it, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah it was really nice. It was quite foggy too, so it was like quite oh, eerie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was gorgeous. That, yeah, so the um, tetragonia, that's a really fantastic and popular bush, bush tucker plant. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then there's also the coastal cushion bush as well, that beautiful grey textured sort of foliage, really yeah. lovely. Um, let's see, Banksia integrifolia. Oh, isn't that always so beautiful? My favorite. Seeing it in its natural <laughs> habitat. It really yeah. is. It really is. Yeah, it's really coming to themselves. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because that, like the Woolamai area, is so rough and wild, and yeah. it just gets pounded by those mm. uh, Arctic winds. It's, yeah. yeah. Imagine how tough you have to be to grow down there. That's exactly what I was thinking. The whole walk, I'm just like, wow, I'm so proud of you for growing down there in all these harsh conditions. Like, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it also shows for me the importance of. Um, uh, having a well-drained soil. I oh, think yeah. A lot of plants really prefer a well-drained soil. Not all, yeah, a lot. Many, many certainly <laughs> prefer. Don't want to generalise too much. Um, but, yeah, I know, and at the nursery, um, um, our boss created these new garden beds area, berry, garden beds and um, used old potting mix and I can't tell you how quickly the plants grew in that situation mm. whereas if he had planted them in the clay soil next to it yeah. they they would have grown sort of half half the time I reckon there's yeah. a my, myoporum floribundum that mm. he put in and yeah. I, it it's grown like two meters in I don't know, less than a year it's just yeah. crazy so yeah yeah so and um, what else was on the walk any uh, critters? Um, any birds? Oh, um, I did see one bird. You might probably know this one. I'm pretty sure it was like a green-bellied parrot or something. Oh, like. really? What was it? It was like a, it's like a little green sort of bird. Green something. Couldn't remember what it was. I ID'd it. I ID'd it the other week, sorry. It wasn't the mutton Um, bird. I think we established that it wasn't the mutton bird. No, I didn't see one of those, unfortunately. I did find a starfish, though, when I was walking along the beach. That was pretty cool. Not at Woolamai. That was at Surf Beach where I saw that. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I didn't see too many critters around. No. Okay. Um, but another thing I was thinking about when I was walking along there, like how much bush fruit is down there as well, because like I even saw the um, sea berry salt bush as well, Ooh, which is quite interesting. I'm like, you can yeah. make a whole meal here. You've got the, <laughs> <laughs> totally. You've got spinach, you've got berries. Starfish. Starfish. <laughs> a bit chewy. Um, oh, I also saw Coria alba down there, which Ooh, was yeah. beautiful. Oh, really stunning. great winter flowering sort of plant too. Yeah. Um, and it really stood out. I only found like maybe three or four of them on the wall, yeah. um, but they really stood out from the rest of the vegetation. Yeah. Um, but lovely, like, grey foliage, white flower, um, yeah, really nice. Did you find the vegetation around the island sort of overlapped a bit? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, you would see, like, specifically, like, the coastal cushion bush, some of the grasses, um, the spinach, like, that was kind of a common mm-hmm. common theme, common theme yeah. sort of, and then every now and then you'd see something a little bit different. So, yeah. like, for example, like the coria, like I was like, oh, that's a bit of a different sort of thing. I haven't seen that yet on the island or in other areas you'll find Banksia integrifolia. So mm-hmm. it's interesting because it, there's a constant theme throughout the vegetation, but in certain areas you'll find um, things that will define 
that sort of area because mm-hmm. it's a bit different. Yeah. And what about the eucalypts down there? Was there anything in particular that caught your eye? Um, yeah, so I, my favourite is probably the eucalyptus globulus. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that so much. Yep. Um, so also, Tassie blue gum. Tassie, yep. sorry, yep, yep. sorry. Um, and then also the coastal managum. Mm-hmm. That's actually probably the koala's favourite in terms of uh, their food and habitat. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got like a few of the eucalypts down there are quite similar to where I come from, like from the Mount Dandenong Ranges. So things like, um, messmate, uh, swamp gum, uh, things like that really. Yep. But yeah. Hmm, it's amazing, isn't it? For, I mean, the island's not massive, but there's no. got such a huge plant palette. Mm. It's just, yeah, well, even plant. when, um, the nursery worker there, James, he was showing me. It was actually good. He actually showed me, like, all their production and everything and a few different things. But they collect a lot of um, rare sort of endemic plants to the island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were even telling me how, like, certain things that they'll collect off of cliff faces, they'll actually, like, hook up ropes and stuff just to collect the, yeah, I know, it's dedication <laughs> to... Um, total dedication. Yeah, yeah so that was quite interesting. But, um, yeah, I've still got so much more to learn about it and I'm really excited to explore the island further. Yeah, so you'll be going down a bit? Definitely, yeah, yes. Yeah, fantastic. Did you go to uh, Summerlands Bay, the area around no. where the Penguin Parade is? No, I didn't. I didn't. I know you mentioned that I should go there, but yeah. I think I got a bit distracted by Kate Willemai. That, that's a, a absolutely stunning area, which um, I have... Surf, or I used to surf, and um, was used to go to the Phillip Island every weekend for years and years and years. And um, one of the places where we loved to surf was called Penguins. And um, inevitably, come sort of the evening, and the the people on the beach with the um, with the big uh, walkie-talkie thing saying, uh, "Can you, all your surfers please get out of the beach because the penguins aren't coming in?" <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that was an area where it used to um, have quite a lot of houses. And um, people would drive through there, and it was yeah quite quite a um, a bit of a sort of tourist area, I, su- I suppose. You'd go to the cliffs and hang around on the cliffs and climb down and swim in the pools there, and all beautiful. But um, it was really putting the wildlife under threat. There's the Cape um, Barren Cape Barren goose that uh, mm-hmm. lives there, and of course the fairy penguins and um, um, the short-tailed shearwaters and, and various other critters that live in that area, and they were really under threat, not only from um, cars driving through at night, yeah. but um, dogs, cats and foxes mm. and uh, things like that. And so um, I think it was Joan Kerner who eventually sort of started a, a bit of a push to make the whole area an environmental area. And um, the state eventually ended up buying the whole um, the whole um, coastal area that um, sort of uh, what, what do you call it? What's the word I'm thinking? Of? Peninsula, yeah. uh, sort of a mini peninsula area, and um, yeah, bought bought the 700 odd properties that were there, and wow. um, got rid of them, and um, which was a bit controversial, of course, at the time, especially for locals who'd lived there for a long a long time. Um, it took about 10 to 15 years, but now it's just absolutely sensational. You, you can actually still drive along it. Mm. Um, it's one way now. Obviously, you have to go really slow. And you get to be within a couple of metres of these incredible geese. And cool. if you haven't seen them, they're really big 
kind of fat grey geese. <laughs> I think I might have seen one actually. You now would've. that you're describing yeah. this to me, I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And they had a, this massive uh, fox eradication program on the island as well that ended up winning an award because they were so wow. successful. So essentially, yeah, it's it's thriving. Yeah. So, and have, have either of you? Done the penguin parade? No, yes, I have done it before. I think I've been to Phillip Island once in my life. Oh, you've got to go. I know. Now I want to. I'm adding it to the list. There's so many walks. There's so many walks you can do around there. Um, And I've only, I haven't even explored them all yet. Um, But there's lots of like conservation reserves, things like that. Also, the koala sent out like I didn't get a chance to look at it oh, yet but I'm definitely so going cool. next time yeah. mm. it's, and it's yeah. got a really fantastic sort of knowledge centre at the start of it yeah. where you can just learn all about it and then you go through and these koalas they're, they're wild koalas but they sort of encourage them into particular areas by uh, putting a eucalyptus yep. branches mm. there for them like. um, so you're guaranteed of seeing koalas in there yeah, oh. up mm. close and personal alright I've yeah. taken all the notes and I'm going to steal Michaela's yeah. second, page, <laughs> second page of her notes yeah. and <laughs> on the list <laughs> when we're allowed out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, def- definitely um, worth going down there. It's just, yeah, so beautiful. And take a drive along sort of from the Nobbies, which is right around the end where the seals are. Mm-hmm. And there's a fantastic um, display area up there as well. And then, of course, at the Penguin Centre, br- I feel, feel like I'm spruiking it, but <laughs> it, it is really good and it's really informative, whether for kids or adults. It's yep. just sensational. Mm-hmm. And even where um, you walk out to see the penguins, of course it's really carefully planned now so you don't disturb the penguins but you get yeah. to see them in their burrows after so of course it's dark by the time the penguins have come in yep. and then you get to see them having a chat with their neighbours <laughs> so it's just adorable that was probably my favourite part about it when I had been to the penguin parade before that it does feel quite untouched a little bit when you see them and it's quite um, ethical too. Like they, just, you just watch them go do their own thing. Yeah. You know, you yep. just don't interfere, and it's really cute. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they're used to people now as yeah, well. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We did watch them one night on a live webcam. I think in one of the lockdowns, and <laughs> yeah, the kids were just oh, they're yeah. so cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> super, super cute. All right, so you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and with me in the studio are Chloe Thompson and Michaela Hamilton. Everyone is obviously still asleep in bed and um, not willing to get up and give us a call. So, you know, get your mobile, get in bed, get a cup of tea, and, um, yeah, call us up with any questions that you might have. Um, yeah, so let's get to some plants, and I think there might be a bit of a yellow scene going on today. I, yes. don't, I don't know why, but I, well, you know, it's me, it's my garden. There's always a yellow scene going on. Um, so for those who haven't seen photos of my garden before or heard me ramble on about passion, my passion for yellow flowers, um, I have brought in three yellow flowers from my garden that are in flower at the moment. There's a bunch more, but um, so I've brought in the Chrysocephalum apiculatum, which has the lovely grey soft foliage um, and the tiny little button um, yellow daisy flowers. Beautiful ground cover, mm-hmm. um, really great. Look, I love the grey-green contrast. Yep. Um, so I use that a lot in my garden. It's nice to cascade over the edges um, of your garden. Yeah, that's one that's actually 
uh, native to a lot of areas around mm. Australia, and it's depending on which area you get it from is quite different. Yes. So the foliage can be quite big or quite small, quite yep. fine, very grey, very green. Yep. Yeah. So and the flower colour as well. Sometimes it's a little more orange. Correct. Sometimes yeah. it's a little paler yellow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right there. Definitely a goodie, and that's one that you can just hack back, and oh. it just pops back yeah. up again. Yeah. Super yeah. hardy. Yeah. Super hardy. Yeah. I use hedging shears. <laughs> <laughs> hack. Hack. Okay. There we go. <laughs> You're done. Um, I've also brought in the Sticky Everlasting, which is the Xerocrysum viscosum, which is an uh, indigenous to our area, I think, AB, actually. Um, and it's got the it lovely um, paper like daisies you can hear. You can probably hear through the microphone there, but they're lovely paper daisies. And it's actually got a very um, narrow, dark green leaf, and it's, as the name suggests, a bit sticky. Mm. Um, so that's a really lovely one. Again, quite low growing, um, really long flowering. Uh, and I've also brought in the straw flowers or paper daisies or everlasting daisies as they're called. And again, they're the very typical crunchy um, uh, flowers and bright yellow as well. So that's the... And those ones that, yeah, the zero chrysums, they come in so many colours. They do come in so many colours. There's yeah. only yellow and white in my garden. Oh, but <laughs> that's very restrained. I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they've been really beautiful. And again, they can take a reasonable cutback. I found if you don't give them a cutback too hard, um, sorry, if you don't cut them back enough, yep. then they get quite leggy and yep. you don't yep. get as much flower. So yep. I have found that yeah, you c- cutting them repeatedly encourages that branching and bushiness. Yeah. So is that one that sort of stays in the garden forever, and you just keep cutting back and it comes back? Yeah, all of yep. them are. Um, the straw flowers I have found um, in the summer months. Some of I lost a few of them mm-hmm. because they're probably a little bit more shallow rooted and a bit more fickle than the other two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just self-seed really easily and I'm happy to just let them take over in spots or yeah. I just collect their, their mm-hmm. dried flowers and yep. sprinkle them where I want them. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And um, have, I know that you have a nice relationship with your neighbours. Yes. Um, have you, I'm pretty sure the only reason why you have a good relationship, she's been nurturing this for a while now, is <laughs> so she can take over their garden as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's like, oh, I need more space. <laughs> we were commenting the other day, I was like, oh, we're starting to run out of a garden project. Okay, we've got the glass house now but luckily our beautiful neighbours um, at number five have uh, yeah started planning their backyard and um, so yeah they're very nice and allowing so us to out with that? help in yeah. the progress yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah fantastic okay so we've got a couple of text messages that have come through so we'll deal with them one by one obviously uh, Deborah from the Latrobe Valley wants to know how close you can create a garden bed to a mature rabinia to avoid causing suckers not close at all, <laughs> but as far away as possible. I think um, any tree really spreads its roots out at least two times um, away from the tree. So that, depending on how big your tree is, there certainly is the potential for those very annoying suckers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, um, yeah, I think, Deborah, the answer there is simply as far away as you possibly can. Um I mean, you could sort of avoid digging as much as you can by creating a raised bed rather than digging into the soil there. If you've got grass, just put some layers of newspaper down and some straw on top of that and uh, kill the grass off that way so you're not actually having to dig. Mm. Shallow-rooted things as well, perhaps. Yeah. You know, things that are more ground covers that, you know, that are quite shallow-rooted might be less likely to disturb. Yeah, so it's a bit unclear as to if you're happy to put in a 
a raised bed, but um, yeah, there's I mean beds of all different heights that you can pop in there if you wanted to. I would certainly be trying to avoid digging. Mm. Uh, I mean, even mowing the lawn can um, mm. cause rubinias to send up those suckers. Yep. You end up with a rubinia forest, <laughs> 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 which is maybe not what you want. And um, also, Deborah would like to know how close to house foundations can she plant a cedrilla, which is a Chinese cedar, which I don't know about, but um, that's something which I might have to get back to you on, Deborah, unless either of you guys know. I mean, it, depending on how tall the tree is, um, obviously you want to have it I, I would say you know minimum of six to eight meters away depending mm. on the height of the tree um, but that's certainly something I can do I don't know if that one is particularly has a particularly vigorous root system or not um, I'm sure there'd be a bit more information available online so uh, yes yeah, so I can get back to you on that one and I'm I'm on again next week so I'll be able to answer this, find that out during the week and and get back to you. So now Michaela you worked at Fleming's for a while yes. didn't you? Yes I did. Yeah. So and um did you learn quite a bit about uh, bare rooting? Yeah. Bare root fruit trees that sort of thing. Mhm. Yeah. So my I feel like what I really took away from that was uh a lot of like um pest ID things like that because mm-hmm. obviously that was something you had to keep an eye out for while working there. Yep. Um also like irrigation how much water certain things need definitely. Um, bare root season was probably one of the busiest times of the year for us, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so it was kind of like we'd obviously get them bare root, we'd put them into plastic bags, so do that through a machine. Um, so you, were you digging them up yourself or they oh, no. just have a machine? That oh, no, I wasn't big digging area, them up myself. Isn't it? It's a, it's a huge, it's yep. a huge business. And, um, yeah, so no, we'd get them delivered on a tractor, then mm-hmm. we'd like pot them up. Um, and then they'd go off to uh, the retail nurseries who were supplying them to. So I actually worked um, as their sales rep for a little bit too to all um, of their few of their retail stores. So I was always checking on the health and the quality of the trees. So yeah. kind of um, it helped me in my skills of tree selection. So mm-hmm. picking out what stock's really healthy, um, you know, things like that sort of. But it was also beautiful, especially in the spring, everything coming out. Um, yeah, it was good. Good, yeah, good place to work. You get to have the uh, the cherry blossoms and. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, the snow fountains and um, they're specifically like the weeping cherry blossoms are beautiful. They're probably my favourite. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And of course, this this is the time of year to be getting your. That's um, right. Bare yes. root plants yeah. in, whether yeah. it's um, fruit trees or yes, ornamental cherries and yep. maples and yeah. roses and Definitely. Mm, all those things. Thank goodness so many of the nurseries do click and collect in lockdown. Oh, that's and right. so good. Yeah, yeah. drive yeah. through and mm. yeah. it's good. Yeah, it is we good. We couldn't cope otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? During lockdown, everyone who even wasn't a gardener decided that they were a gardener. That's right. Yeah. Which is kind of exciting. Yep. Um, so many more people were willing to get outside and, and dabble and I know at our nursery we sold out of so many plants like I've been there for a few years now and there's always at least a few hundred kangaroo paws in stock all the time yeah for the first time ever there was not one kangaroo <laughs> paw right, yeah. remember that it was, <laughs> yep, there was the most none. bizarre thing we usually oh have this goodness. incredible display yeah, yeah. 
And AB is great at displaying. Uh, yeah, like, like I like my K pores. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> K pores are mine, baby. Yeah, <laughs> you've got the fernery. I do. K pores. What I love about them is you'd be unloading them on the trolley and wheeling the trolley through the nursery, and the eastern spine bills will come down for the yeah. while you're going there. Just yeah, that's not magic. frightened at all. So mm. that's yeah, yeah, pretty pretty cute. Well, I know when I heard about this lockdown, I know people say that they rush out to the supermarket <laughs> and do panic buying. Oh, yeah. Well, I rushed to my local yeah. nursery, yeah. and yeah. no joke, I rocked up at my nursery and the, the owner she laughed <laughs> and she said you're panic buying aren't you I said yep <laughs> no, I'm panic buying <laughs> just in case just I did the exact case. same thing too okay, I was like right <laughs> need some new plants for lockdown <laughs> yeah, yeah. you put in a uh, indoor plant stand I did yeah so I um, I well, my collection's growing a lot now yep. and I thought I need a nice little sort of way to display them. Um, so, yeah, so I put together um, a plant shelf. Oh, cool. So it's just like a plain black one, a metal one. It's got like little mini drainage holes in it. Yeah. Oh, um, so specifically a plant stand. It's specifically a, yeah. a plant oh. stand. Um, yeah, so I picked that up on a click and collect and yep. then it took me about an hour to put together. <laughs> but it was enjoyable though. I got a coffee whilst I did it and... Um, yeah, and it's really nice too. Like I've got it in my bedroom now, so like when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I see is my plants. Nice. So yes. it's it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And any tips for indoor gardens? Oh. <laughs> we both looked at yeah. each other. <laughs> um, definitely, just give give something a try. Trying to get the plant, the right plant in the right spot's a big mm. thing. Um, so a lot of the time, I find people say, you know, I've got a fiddle leaf fig, but it's you know it's burning and it's dying. But yeah. I find out that they've got it on their west west window, so it's getting That's that right. hot afternoon sun so you know fiddle leaves prefer that morning sun so keep them on your east mm. side um you know your tough hardy plants your spider plants your rubber plants mm. your zanzibar gems they're the good ones to go for if you're a complete novice mm. your monsterias are pretty hard to kill as well <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yes um yeah. it's quite funny actually also like during lockdown all my friends because they know that i'm into plants so nice me pictures they all got into indoor plants yeah so every now and then they'll send me text Michaela, like, what's going on with this plant here? Yeah. Like, you know. Um, but I think my main thing that I really do is I just keep a water spray bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just give them, especially the ferns, yes. I find really successful, like, spritzing their foliage at least, like, once a day maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then only every now and then I give them, like, a proper proper yep. drink. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I kind of go by, like, how wet the soil is, yep. um, how they're looking. Like, I kind of just try and read them and see, like, you know, what yeah, you need sure. from me. And also feeding, too. People sometimes forget to feed their indoor plants as yep. well. I sometimes just use, like, a r- little bit of, like, a slow-release fertilizer mm-hmm. so that I don't have to kind of worry about it. And, you know, sometimes um, liquid fertilizers don't always smell that lovely. Uh, yeah. So I don't <laughs> want my room to be... Sm- as much as I love the smell of sea salt. Um, <laughs> Um, not I don't indoors. Want my, not indoors, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I kind of like the angle that I'm going at now of trying to incorporate natives into That's indoor such plants. That's a cool idea. Um, yeah. yeah, so it'll be in, and like as I said before, like I'm just kind of trialing them all out. But most ferns, like you can really have a go at. Mm. Um, but I did buy my housemate a little. Um, water fern the mm-hmm. other week and uh she killed it in like two weeks oh. she's like she's like why do you give me this? <laughs> but um yeah do you what what indoor plants do you have chloe i've got a huge mix um i haven't got any natives as yeah. you're suggesting but i'm definitely going to give those a try mm. yeah um i've got things like rubber plants spider plants hartley philodendrons i've got a huge one that i've got up high on a shelf in our bath main bathroom and it kind of just creeps and takes over beautiful. i have to sometimes unstick it from the wall <laughs> but um yeah so i i 
put them everywhere. Yeah. I really love indoor I think plants. I'm the only person in Australia who's managed to kill the devil's ivy. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hangs head in shame. <laughs> I, d- I did the real rookie trick. It was looking a bit bedraggled, so I watered it. And it was looking a little bit more bedraggled, so I watered it some more. And then it was like that. Getting yeah, dumped up. Oh, yeah. So, and that is an absolute um, error, isn't it? That most of... Overwatering. Yeah, overwatering yeah, is absolutely. probably what kills... Yeah. What, like like over, overfeeding goldfish, over yep. overwatering plants. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I tend to say to people, forget about watering them until you think, oh, I haven't watered in a while. Then yeah. water. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. It yeah. is incredible how long plants can go. And I've uh, changed all my plants over and used an indoor plant potting mix. Mm-hmm. And I can't oh, yeah, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and he was telling you about it oh, too. Oh my goodness! Honestly, get onto it. But there's a few things which is really good about it. One, it doesn't, there's no compost or pine bark in yep. the mix. Okay. And the compost and pine bark is where the fungus gnats tend to hang out. Mm. So straight away you are reducing a population or you won't even have any fungus gnats in yep. it. Uh, it uses um, peat and, and uh, vermiculite or per- perlite actually, not vermiculite, perlite and really um, light ingredients that hold a lot of water. So yep. if mm. you, when you buy a plant from um, a nursery, an indoor plant, you'll often re- think, oh my goodness, this is super, super light. Yeah, how are you still alive? <laughs> and that is how it's alive. And that, I think that's probably why it was developed for, mm-hmm. for indoor plants that are going to sit there for weeks and weeks in nurseries. Yeah. And it's got slow-release fertilizer that lasts for six months. And it you just put it – I soak my plants. So I soak them in a, a tepid water yep. uh, just because, especially in winter, they don't like being shocked mm. with really cold water. Mm. Um, soak them for a while and then – it sucks up as much water as it needs, drain it, and then put it back inside. And Where yeah. did you get it from, A.B.? Just garden centre. Garden centre. Yeah, I yeah. think there's two out there And it's specifically called indoor plant. Indoor okay. plant okay. Yeah. And, and what is fantastic about it is it's super late. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's not like the normal potting bag. Yeah, yeah. 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 Really like They're small bags. Okay. Um, but, yeah, definitely to take your indoor plants to the next level because mm. I was determined, I'm like, come on, I'm a horticulturalist, I can <laughs> I can keep one indoor plant alive, surely. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the fun bit about being a bit of a plant nerd is that if you do kill something, you do tend to know how or why you That's right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I recently killed uh, Calathea of Satanthi. Have they changed their Are they one of the ones that's changed their names recently? Calathea. That's not a native. I don't no, know. No. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm just like, um, I don't know. And, you know, I, I put it in a spot that was drafty and had extreme temperature changes. Mm. And I knew it didn't like it. And yet mm. I still put it there. Yeah, you know, and you oh. you think to yourself, why why would I do yeah. that? Yeah, why did I yeah. do that? Why did I yeah. do that? I know, but I I thought it looked nice in that spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. You yeah, think, what? I should know better. Yeah. yeah, and I think that the trouble with a lot of what goes wrong with indoor plants is the symptoms can look quite similar. So whether yes. you overwater yeah, totally. or underwater, the plant sort of behaves in the same way. I think if you overwater, the leaves tend to sort of get a bit yellow and floppy. And, mm. um, yeah, it's really not happy. Whereas if you're underwater, the mature leaves will start dropping off. So that that's a yeah. sort of good indication. And then if the tips are brown, 
Um, it's often a humidity problem, so moisture. So your mm. tip, Michaela, of um, okay, spraying mm. the plants yeah. is yeah. a Especially fantastic in winter idea. With all our definitely going. Yeah, also, heaters, yeah. I was going to say another thing as well is that sometimes if I feel like one's struggling a bit, I'll put it in the bathroom because yes. all the mist from the shower, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about you for a little bit now. And it always helps them, um, especially if you've got a well-lit bathroom, you could have a whole jungle in there. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got a few plants in my bathroom. And interestingly, it's not very well lit, um, mm. so I do keep the light on a bit, but I'm going to get some uh, grow light. Ooh, oh, and pop them up. That would look nice and yeah. make them a bit happy because it's a, a timber-lined uh, bathroom. I mm-hmm. have painted one wall or a couple of walls white, so it sort of reflects the light a little bit, and it gets a, sort of a bit of the afternoon indirect light, but really not light enough. But the plants are they're perfectly happy in there. Yeah. Um, probably because I can't reach them, so I can't kill them. <laughs> ignore, ignore. Yeah, ignore, yes. When in doubt, ignore your plants. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and with me in the studio today are two people who are new to the 3CR airwaves, Michaela Hamilton and Chloe Thompson. So if you have a gardening question or a comment, please feel free to give us a call. Uh, 94190155 is to talk to us on air or you can text us on 0488809855 off air number is 94198377 so we'd love to hear from you oh and I actually should also mention that we do have an email now so if you want to email a question during the week um, for the next person to answer um, on the Sunday. Feel free to email us. It is three, so the numeral three, then CCR, three CR, so CR, (laughs) dot gardening at gmail.com. So feel free to um, contact us any old how. And of course, we're on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well, so you can see the plants that we're talking about. So... um, Ah, yeah, so talking about plants, Michaela, you yes. have um, brought in a little bit of a forest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, there's so many to talk about. Um, so, look, my main point of interest is small eucalypts. Yep. Um, as I mentioned before, I keep a lot of mine in pots, and I think that you can do a lot with uh, keeping eucalypts in pots mm-hmm. as like a bit of a um, statement. So the eucalypts I've brought in today um, that I'm going to be talking about are ones that you probably can put in a pot that I've personally put in a pot. So the first one I'm going to be talking about is uh, Eucalyptus vernicosa, which is a varnish gum. So this one's uh, endemic to Tassie. Um, I really love this one because it's got uh, small cream white flowers. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, sort of like a small rounded sort of leaf um it's got sort of a reddish sort of bark to it but also with this one it only grows to about a meter so it's really excellent if you're into bonsaiing things like that um it usually flowers uh, december until april um it's very very frost and snow hardy so it loves um really cold sort of conditions Mm. really wet sort of soils too um so that's it's quite slow growing as well so that's also another perk of putting it in a pot yeah um it yeah that's quite a good one i've brought that one in and i love you uh sent through a photo i think to to liz for the for instagram to put up a of your ukes in pots and they just look gorgeous thank you um so the ones that i've 
got at home as well is the eucalyptus macrocarpa, the model car. Mm-hmm. So that one's got really gorgeous, like, bluey, silvery sort of foliage with, like, a really, really hot pink uh, sort of flower on it. Mm-hmm. Really interesting foliage. So I've got that in a pot at home, um, and I've put in that pot as well some scleranthus. Mm-hmm. Um so I've done that. That only grows about three to five metres or so. That needs, like, full sun, really, really well-drained soils. Um, so even if you were planted in your garden, you'd really need to make sure it's a well-drained site. Um, it, they can get a little bit manky if, like, they're in more of a shaded sort of position or a wet position. Mm-hmm. Um, usually if that happens, you can coppice it, so chop it right back to the base and start again yep. uh, to get some vigorous regrowth in that. Are you um, managing to get that one to flower in a pot? I haven't trialed it yet. Okay. I'm going to, that's my next thing I'm keen to try out. Because a lot of this is trial for me as well. Um, yeah. You yeah. Some pots, but I feel like it's year round interest in the foliage as oh, well. Absolutely. So yeah. I feel like that kind of works quite well. Um, the other plant that I've brought in is Eucalyptus pleurocarpa or the Tallarac. Um, it used to be known as Eucalyptus tetragona, mm-hmm. but it's now had a name change. So that one you'll probably quite often see in uh, floristry, especially in like native posy arrangements and things. So it's like a silvery, like frosted sort of look mm-hmm. um, with really beautiful like gum nuts on it. Yep. Um, so I'm growing that one in a pot at the moment and that can grow like up to like 0.5 metres to about five, mm-hmm. uh, depending where you're growing it. Yep. Uh, once again, like really well-drained soils. It can be a little bit drought tender though, so you do need to put a bit of water on it uh, in summertime. Mm. Um, So that's a really gorgeous one. I've got that in a pot also. Um, So the other one I was going to talk about was Eucalyptus preciana, Mm -hmm. which this one is kind of tying in with that yellow theme that everyone's got going on today. (laughs) (laughs) So really big ornamental um, bright yellow flowers on it, Um, sort of like a greyish green sort of round big foliage on it. So that one's about 1 to 3.5 metres. So this one you can keep in a pot also. Um, Flowering occurs late winter and spring. Um, It originates from more coastal sort of conditions in Mm -hmm. WA, so it's excellent if you're from a coastal sort of area, put it straight in the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, With Eucalyptus Preciana, it's actually quite effective to coppice it, so chop it right back down to the base, as I said before, vigorous regrowth. Um, So you probably wait a couple of years, yeah. Well, yes and no. Like, you can really do it at any age Mm -hmm. in terms of mallees. Like, you can coppice them at any age you like, Um, but... If you wait until the Preciana has flowered for its first time, then coppice it, it will generally grow like maybe a metre and follow and flower that year yep. um, after you've coppiced it. Yep. So it's quite um, – but you've got to really chop it. Like when I'm talking about the term coppicing, it's like when you cut the mm. tree right back down to mm-hmm. the lignotuber. Yep. If you only cut it halfway, it's not going to – it's going to struggle. It's not going to – Yeah, it's going to yep. be very confused. Yep. So when you're coppicing eucalypts, you need to chop it right back down to the base to really encourage that vigorous regrowth. You're yep. almost simulating if a fire came through, really. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. the that's kind of the purpose of the lignotuber is yep. – yeah, that's right. Um mm. So then, what else have I brought in? Well, well let's we'll yeah. probably go to... Uh, we've got a couple That's of calls now. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, we'll come back to um, Michaela's 1800 uh, <laughs> And we will go to uh, Helen from Cheltenham. Hi, Helen. Uh, hello, everyone. Hi. 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 What's your um, question? Look, yeah, my question is, um, I'm in a small garden, and um, the I need some plants for the south side of the house in the narrow bed against the wall of the house. It's uh, pretty depleted soil having been under wheat mat and white pebbles for 
a lot of years, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to reclaim the garden. Um, and so it's um, shady, but it's not dark shady. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just need a whole lot of plants that will grow to about 60 centimetres to go along. Um, so, you know, I can see them outside the window and um, they grow along there. I did get some Veronica, Digger's Speedwell from Karanga last year mm-hmm. and put a few of those in and they've done well so far, mm-hmm. although we didn't have a very hot summer or anything like that. But I'd like some other ideas and probably not corias because I've already planted a lot of corias throughout the little garden yeah. already. So, Helen, how wide is the bed? Uh, the bed is about uh, a metre 20 wide, oh, but oh, I'll be planting basically further as far away from the house as I can so they mm-hmm. get at least the rain. Uh, yep. Yeah, okay. So, th- I mean, really there's a number of plants that would work really well in that situation. And, I mean, when you think about plants in the wild, a lot of them are understory plants, so they do really well in those shady type of conditions. Um, can, the fact that you've already put in some um, speed well, did, can I assume that you sort of uh, removed the stones and the weed mat and, and dug the soil over? Uh, to a limited extent, I, there's still a row of um, iceberg roses against the house, which sure. I'm pulling out. But, okay. <laughs> but that, the area where I planted them, yes, I I removed all the weed mat and yep. dug over. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so yeah, because that's always a good thing to do, especially if it's had the plastic or, or the weed mat on it. Um, yes. As Chloe had noted earlier, it's, um, the soil can become quite depleted and almost dead, so you need to live, oh, yes. liven it up a bit, get in there with a garden fork, dig it over as much as you can, break up any big clods, get in some compost, liven that soil back up again, wake it up sort of thing. And um, so plants about 60 centimetres. So one of the ones that comes to mind for me is a winter flowering one and it's called the Hartley Flame Pea or the um, Corazima Cordatum. And that is a gorgeous little plant which will do perfectly fine in that sort of uh, environment. It probably gets to about a metre. If it's got something to scramble on, sometimes it will scramble up a plant or something like that. But it is a very gentle sort of climate. If it does, it won't climb up a fence, I couldn't imagine. And it has gorgeous um, pea-like Orange and pink flowers. Yeah, I know what that looks like. Yeah, I know what that looks like. That'd be lovely. Yeah, Yeah, that's super cute. And then another one which springs to mind, and I'll ask these guys as well, they'll have ideas as well, but one that springs to mind for me is uh, Tetratheca ciliata Mm. or pink bells. So that's uh, one that's indigenous to me, and it's quite an upright little shrub. It'll probably get to about 60 centimetres, that sort of thing, and uh, comes in a pink flowering form or a white flowering form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you just tell me that name again? Yeah, so it, the common name is Pink Bells, I'm pretty sure, which is very annoying because so. there's it's a lot true. of which yeah, are Pink, pink Bells. Pink <laughs> yeah. Bells um, around, yeah. yeah, so it's Tetratheca, so T-E-T-R-A-T-H-E-C-A, and yes. then Ciliata, C-I-L-I-A-T-A. Tetratheca right. Ciliata, yeah, so that's another one. So what about you guys? Thank Any you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first thing I thought was the flame pea as well. I yeah, thought corazine because it's so plant, it's it? so easy to manage. It's so yeah. easy to keep nice and small, yeah. and it's a great bit of colour in the garden. The colour lasts for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was also thinking of maybe a croia as well, possibly. There's oh, one yeah. called. Um, yeah. 
what was it, festival? Festival, I think it was. And they can kind of handle that really shady sort of position. Yep. Um, just yep. as long as it's nice and well-drained sort of soil, as long as you fix that soil before, then um, that's a nice pop of sort of pink. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and also, um, oh, now it's um, disappeared from my mind. As I, th- I'm, I'm I was going to say Ryan Star. Oh, yes. As well, yes, Ryan yes, Star yes, is a great yeah, one. They're, they're fantastic, the yeah. little yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice so and bushy too. Yeah. 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 yeah, I was even thinking of just sort of the really understory and almost as a bit of a filler plant. Um, I actually really quite like using liriopes a fair bit as well, mm. particularly the, um, the yeah. white one, yeah. the white flowering, but they do come in a purple as well. Mm. They're just nice yeah. because they've got that year-round interest. The leaves are just dark green, strappy year-round, yep. and then you get the lovely flush of flowers as well. So I like them as a filler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and also something that uh, sprung to mind is the uh, the wax flower, the philothecas. Philothecas, mm. yeah, so and they're flowering now. Oh, yeah. the winter yeah. flowering one as well so they have got the pink buds with the white to pinky flower so they're really sweet and they're Can usually you... pro- pro- prolific flowers so yeah. yeah so that's philotheca so that's with a p-h-i-l-o-t hello h-e-c-a <laughs> <laughs> forget where it was in the word uh yeah so and there's a do few they, different uh, cultivars yeah, go on. Yes, I was going to ask, do they come in a, a smaller size because I guess I'm familiar with them as larger plants the uh, wax flower um yeah no they do they come in plants that get to probably about 60 70 centimeters mm. and, and again yep. they're ones which would certainly respond really well to pruning yeah yep sure oh that's terrific all right well thank you very much that's a wonderful range you're welcome yeah. good on you have <laughs> a lovely you. day uh, bye thank for you. now bye bye all right and let's go to um who do i have ellen Hi. Oh, Ellen, are you in England? Yes. Oh, oh my, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just talking about you this morning. This is crazy. Um, it must be, oh, no, what, what time is it there for you? It's almost midnight. Oh, midnight. Yeah. goodness. <laughs> you are a seriously keen gardener. Are you talking plants at midnight? <laughs> well, it's the... It's a summer glut of raspberries, so I've been doing a uh, late run of canning. So it's, I'm, I'm out of freezer space. So oh. I listen to you guys doing the canning. Oh, what what do you do with your raspberries? Um, I'm just I just I just do a simple preserve or a jam, and uh, I finished the gooseberries this afternoon. So it was on to raspberries. Wow, but sounds just, like you have a really productive garden. Well, it's the uh, British allotment system, so ah. you can you can get a, a strip of it's an oversized garden piece of land from the council, um, and these little groups along by the city, kind of outside the city limits. So yeah, you can do whatever you want: raspberries, dahlias. Wow! <laughs> so and it's, do a lot of people um, take up the councils on that and and use the the allotments? Oh yeah, there's a waiting list. I mean, we're at, we're not even in a big city, and there's still a waiting list, especially after lockdown. The allotments weren't shut down, so you could you were allowed to walk from your house or drive to the allotment, yeah, and still get a garden and and just you know try to be normal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at, so so yeah, so I've been doing my raspberry jam, listening to you guys and um, talk about the eucalyptus, ah. and I probably have <laughs> I probably have the world smallest little stick of a eucalyptus but that's how it came in the post it's eucalyptus gunny eye yeah i just saw that yeah 
Yes, it's gunny eye, but it has, it's a new cultivar. It's called a French blue. Okay. It's not supposed to be about a meter high, so, mm-hmm. but right now it's only about eight inches high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is outgrowing its little pots, and I can't quite figure out what type of soil or what kind of potting mix to make this thing happy. Nice. Um, it, it's staying in the greenhouse because our, our weather is just so changeable. Um, it's in, you know, it's in a pot there, but it's it's not even in like a four-inch pot. It's just this little tiny thing. So, what would you recommend for kind of coaxing it along or keeping it happy? Um, well, look, I'd definitely recommend a nice sort of well-drained sort of potting mix. Uh, definitely, I'm not too sure exactly what kind of bags of potting mixes you guys have over there, but like I would recommend like a native. Uh, like low phosphorus sort of uh, potting mix for that. Um, just nothing oh. that's going to retain and keep that. They're not going to like having wet feet. Um, okay. So, I yeah. I, have, I, I, I was, I just, yeah, I, I was a little foolish and I did buy some South African proteas during the lockdown last year and I've called in about those. So <laughs> I have the special mix for the proteas, but is that two nutrient, like it doesn't have anything in it and it's phosphorus phosphorus free is Mm. that too low in nutrients should i do something a little bit different than that no you can definitely use that potting mix uh, because generally when we use a potting mix here for native plants we just any native plant we use with a native uh, potting mix so that would be completely fine Um, i mean the the, that particular tree i think is the cider gum is native to Tassie so that can cope with really cold temperatures so I would actually maybe even try pulling it out of the glass house and and giving it a bit of a trial outside uh, especially at the moment and um, yeah and just see how it go coming through obviously you're in in summer now Um, but it's probably a a good time to pull it out although don't put it in direct light if it's being protected a bit and then just see how you go um, with it through the winter I, I reckon it'll be much much happier outside. Mm, I agree. Okay, no, that's great. Yeah, I'll def- I'll, I'll pull it out. It was just so bedraggled coming out of the post. It, I I gave it a little extra oomph with the with the heat in the greenhouse. Um, it's our our problem with the winters is we get so wet, and I was worried that the pot would get wet and then and then we'll freeze. Yeah, um, yeah, so I, yeah. So just maybe in the winter. Yeah, I was just going to say just put- even lift the pot up off. Um, the ground just so that yep. it can drain really freely. Yeah. Okay. And then when you guys are talking about pruning this one or pruning the eucalypts, is it something, I mean, it's not big enough now, but is it something that if I wanted, I, I got it for floristry to put it in like arrangements and stuff. Can I just take a little bit off as it gets bigger or, or should I be taking, should I coppice it? I don't, I don't really know what to do with it. Um, look, by yeah. all means, you're, you can just take it off as you go along. Um, that's fine. Not all eucalyptus have lignotubers. So off the top of my head, I can't remember whether Gunny Eye has one or doesn't have one, so I wouldn't go coppicing it. I would just double-check that um, before you do go to coppers. Um, but in general, I would say, they look, most eucalyptus respond really well to pruning. So you're most welcome to take as much of a chunk as you like as you go along. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's lovely foliage. I, it I just is. really want to put it in the chrysanthemums or the dahlias when they come through. So, um, and I was, I, was I, I do have the, um, they didn't come back this year, but I, I, I think it's just because we're so wet. But I, I did plant the, um, 
the paper daisies or the everlasting mm-hmm. daisies, and they were they were a lovely yellow. <laughs> yellow. <laughs> Beautiful. Pleased to hear it. I had to grab them at the end of the season and let them dry because, again, we just start getting wet uh, uh-huh. towards the end of the um, they did come in, and they're on a wreath right now in the kitchen, so they're a lovely flower to dry. So. Oh, fantastic. It sounds like you're going to have to move to Australia, Ellen. You've got a native <laughs> garden happening over there. Just get over here. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was traveling just got shut down, and it's on my, uh, it's on my to-do list to at least travel uh, down to the other side. But uh, right now we're still – we just barely came out of lockdown, and things are still on the red list, and, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I hope you do make it here eventually and if you do get in contact with us and we'll have you on the show and talk about English <laughs> gardens it would just be an absolute treat uh, well thank you so much no I really appreciate you taking my call I'll let you guys get back to the uh, other Australian callers good <laughs> on you Ellen thank you so much really appreciate your call right, take care bye bye Oh, that's super cool. Amazing. So cool. Wow. My sister lives in London. Maybe I should tee them up. She's a crazy gardener <laughs> too. So. Um, all right, Mikaela, there's a lot of love going on for the eucalypts here. So um, people want to know when is the best time to coppice them. They want to know the names. And um, so the okay. producers have just sent through saying um, all the eucalypt names are up on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so if you don't have um, either of those, then by all means um, text in again. But all all the names, otherwise we'll be here for the rest of the day spelling it all out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So what? When's the best time to coppice? Do you reckon? Uh, well, I it should always be. I think it's best done in late spring or summer. I would highly recommend not doing it in colder months, um, as quite a lot of them, the new regrowth can be quite frost tender. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's probably the, around the sort of time that I would recommend for coppicing, mm. yeah. And that kind of ties back in with the theory that coppicing is simulating that bushfire coming mm, through. You think right. about the times when bushfires... Or the wallabies coming well, yeah, in. Or really, yeah, or really hungry wallabies. <laughs> but again, that's the time when they'd be looking for food as yep, well. So absolutely. It, it kind of makes perfect sense. Yep. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, fabulous. So, yeah, a lot of love for the small ukes. And it, I think it's kind of surprising to some people that there are some really, really small eucalypts. And yep, absolutely. One of our uh, colleagues at Karanga Liz has um, created a few beautiful, beautiful pots with, and that's actually on the Karanga Instagram page if people want to see, a really small pot and she's created a lovely collection. One of them's got, a, well, a couple of them have got small eucalypts and they've got the cushion bush, the scleranthus, and one of them's got uh, a one of the dwarf acacias, acacia alpina, which is a really mm. small acacia with round, um, quite thick round phyllodes. Um, so there's a lot that you can do and have almost like a bonsai look. Well, that's right. And um, I think that's probably my, my biggest point of interest in it. And, you know, as I said before, like where I'm from, there's no way, like I've, there's not no way, but it'd be very difficult to yeah. grow them normally there. But yeah. as pots, you can take them where you go. You can make a feature out of them. Um, yeah. And they have such interesting foliage um, and flowers as well. A mm. lot of it also quite attractive to nectar feeding birds mm-hmm. and bees too. Yeah, for mm. sure, for sure. All right, guys, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and with me in the studio are Michaela Hamilton and Chloe Thompson. If you've got a question or you want to brag about something in your garden, please feel (laughs) free to give us a buzz. Uh, To talk to us on air, it's 94190155. Uh, To talk to the guys off air, it's 94190155.
419-8377 or you can text us on 0488-809-855. So uh, we're going through till 9.15 this morning. Um, so we've probably got another 10 or so minutes to, to take callers. Uh, so Gloria from North Caulfield has... Um, called in to ask she has a red waratah in a half wine barrel uh, she's used native potting mix and it's very unhappy lots of leaf fall any ideas what she can do mm. is it suitable for a half wine barrel I was, so, oh sorry no you go <laughs> but i was going to ask him that like it depends is the barrel does it have a hole in the bottom yes. of it is the water getting drained out there that's, enough drainage that's yeah. pretty much what i was going to yeah. say as well yeah. Mm. yeah yeah i've got a little prince waratah in mm-hmm. a pot mm-hmm. and it's very very happy how big's the pot um, it is probably about 40 centimetres tall by about probably 40 across the neck as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been in there for a good six years. Yep. Um, very happy. Okay, it's a, it's a little prince, so it's a naturally smaller one. Yep. But I planted it into native potting mix. I feed it with a native um, organic-based fertiliser. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely got good drainage. That pot's got a good three holes drainage, and it's sitting on a surface so it can drain really well. Yep. Um, make sure it's got enough sun as well. Mm. Yep. And um, also it depends on how big the plant was when you put it into true. the half wine barrel, Gloria, mm. because if it was a small, if it was like a six or even an eight inch pot, that is pretty small to be going into this big area of potting mix um, and they really don't like sitting in wet soil so they yeah might, might object to that and we have have had decent amount of rain um, so definitely wouldn't need to water it if at all through winter and um, but it certainly needs watering through summer yeah so. I don't water mine at all in winter but yeah, yeah definitely yeah. in summer yeah, yeah so th- yeah th- I mean they're a plant they don't like um, particularly strong winds they don't uh, like maybe the westerly sun um, beating down on them for hours in the afternoon but um, yeah I mean really they should do fine in a half wine barrel and in fact in Melbourne because we've got such heavy soils in most areas uh, it's a really good alternative way of growing them so I, I would say the fact that it's dropping all the leaves I'm thinking too wet um, but you could always go out and feel the leaves as I was explaining earlier with the indoor plants there's a sort of a bit of a difference if the leaf feels kind of soggy and 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 limp and a bit sorry and sad for itself and maybe even a bit yellow that is potentially overwatering. and if it feels a bit crispy and dry then that's underwatering. I, I'm thinking it's not going to be underwatering. Mm-hmm. Um, so as yeah Chloe mentioned just make sure it's getting good drainage if if you don't if you can't remember if there was drainage holes in them you can just drill holes in the side of the pot right down the bottom uh, so you don't have to tip it all out and, and start again. And, yeah, just lift it up off the ground to make sure it's getting that really good drainage. Yep. So waratahs are definitely one of the ones being in the same family as proteas. Yeah, they really like that good drainage, don't yep. they? Mm. Yeah. 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 That's why mine's in a pot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got the little prince because there's also um, Essie's Gift, oh, which yeah. is a really yeah. little one. How, how big does little prince get to? Um, I think less than a metre. Okay. It's definitely Sounds less like than Essie's a metre. Sounds like Essie's Gift. Mm. Yeah. What oh, colour is little prince? Red. Red? Oh, beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Is Essie's gift red as well? It's more, isn't it more of a ready sort of pink colour? Uh, yeah. Pink? Ooh, yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. Very nice. But, um, okay, dokie. So let's go to Ian in Sunbury. Morning, guys. Hello, how are you? All right. Good. Um, I've just um, uh, a question. I've got a, 
a eucalypt tree that was planted outside my house on the nature trip by the council. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a it's a yuki variety. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's 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 a fairly small one. It's, a, it's not a not a not a real big um, eucalypt, thankfully. But uh, it's um, I'm just wondering. It's it's only small now. I put it in early last year or something like that. Um, it hasn't grown that much, but. I know that it'll probably take off at some point. Um, I'm just wondering if you're able to, to prune them or sort of trim them to keep them keep them a bit smaller, say maybe two to four metres, um, and sort of kind of push them up to make them more of a screening plant rather than a tree. Okay, so in the the eucalypt I'm thinking you might be talking about is maybe yuki dwarf. So it's a yeah, dwarf form of yeah eucalyptus leucoxylin. Um, yeah. So that one I think that grows about maybe six to eight metres or so, I'm pretty sure off yeah. the top of my head. Um, look, you can, it's, I don't think you'll get it all the way to the base of the trunk in terms of like a really hedgy sort of effect, mm-hmm. um, but you can definitely prune it to make it bushier in terms of its canopy. Yeah, because I've got the, obviously got my fence, it's, um, uh, well, I've got fence extenders actually, and yeah. uh, it goes, so it's about, the, fen- the fence with the extensions is about two point. Uh, 2.3, 2.4, but mm-hmm. I've got a house which is across the road and, and it's up up the hill a bit, so it sort of you know beams right down into my yard. Mm. Um, and this tree would make a really good screen to, to screen out that house a, a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, if I just let it go, go, it'll sort of I don't know be more spindly and won't have that much of an f- effect. But if I keep it keep it lower uh, and bushier, it, it, it would be, um, it'd sort of make a good screening plant. That's correct. Um, look, if I were you, I would also recommend pruning in the warmer months as well. Um, yep. Regular pruning too, so like maybe every month or so, just like prune the edges a little bit, um, just to encourage uh, that compact sort of growth um, and, and also that's that all year round? growth. That's all year round? Or yeah. just in the warm months. Preferably in the warm months, you can do like a yeah. like a decent amount of pruning. Um, but yeah. in general, like you could do a little snip here and there, especially if it's only quite young as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's only sort of just it's grown a little bit. Put some put some um, it's put some growth on at the top, but yeah. not, not a lot. Um, but yeah, I've got other plants that I've got inside the fence, um, mm-hmm. some grevilleas and things like that. Mm-hmm. But oh god, they're slow, <laughs> and I'm hoping <laughs> that they go up over the fence. But they're um, yeah, they're taking their sweet time. All right. <laughs> Yes. Good thank, on you, Thank Ian. you very much. Thank Good you, on you. Bye, bye. bye for now. Uh, and that, uh, that Yuki Dwarf, that's a gorgeous plant. It's isn't very it? popular, yeah. um, and the flowers on it are so vibrant, and it has a beautiful, like, white cream sort of trunk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I love it. I think many listeners will actually have seen it without maybe realising yeah. what it is. It's probably one of the only um, sort of pinky red flowering, one of the few, not one of the only, one of the <laughs> few that are in Melbourne. Yep. Um, so there's the eucalyptus leucoxylin, which has got the, the pinky flowers. And uh, then, of course, there's the ironbarks. So many of them have got the pink flowers. Mm. And then the carimbia phosphorolia, so the, the yep. flowering, flowering gums, gums. Yeah. have mm. got the pink flowers. So you can kind of narrow down what it potentially is um, but yeah Michaela you've really hit a chord with those ukes so we need you to maybe call out some of the names again and just spell yep. them out so there's mm-hmm. a couple of people who don't have uh, social media so we'll just go through them. Okay sure so the ones I was talking about were the eucalyptus macrocarpa so that's M-A-C-R-O C-A-R-P-A that's the um, eucalyptus macrocarpa model car 
Um, the other one I spoke about was Eucalyptus pleurocarpa. So that is spelt P-L-E-U-R-O-C-A-R-P-A, common name Talarac. Um, I also spoke about Eucalyptus prisciana, which is spelt P-R-E-I-S-S-I-A-N-A, the bell-fruited mallee. And the first one I spoke about was the Eucalyptus vernicosa, uh, which is V-E-R-N-I-C-O-S-A, the varnish gum. Mm. Um, I could go on and on what about. That's all. Come on. I could go on. I could go on more. There's one plant that I didn't speak about. We'll go on then. But I'll just I'll just say the name of it, and then people can look into it quickly. But it was it's Eucalyptus perangusta. Uh, so it's P-E-R-A-N-G-U-S-T-A, the fine-leafed mallee. And that was like one I was going to talk about before. It's quite a rare sort of one to find in cultivation. I've never has, heard of it. It has really like needle-like mm, foliage wow. on it. Um, and it flowers intensely, cream flowers. Um, you have to look it up to understand it, but it's, it's absolutely it beautiful. Um, it only grows about... Um, Maybe two, three meters or so. Okay. So it's still quite small, so and you can. For a pot as well. It's really yeah. good for screening as well. Okay. Screening floriculture. Um, yeah, it's m- like moderately drought tolerant, and it's salt tolerant too, because um, it usually grows um, so near the Estimates Plains in yeah. south um, southern WA. Wow. Coast, yeah. Along yeah. with all those other plants that we covered <laughs> continuously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that's a, that was an interesting one. A customer actually brought that in for me. Really? Um, yeah, Fantastic. he got the um, cutting slash seedlings from uh, Dean Nicole's Arboretum. Oh. So I was very lucky to come across those, and I've been growing. I've only got two of them, and I've been growing them up in a pot ever since because they're quite rare in cultivation. Yeah. yeah. Anyone knows Dean Nichols and knows that he's an absolute guru in eucalypts, and has got a, a few uh-huh. books out on on eucs, which are I definitely fantastic. have all of them. Yeah, he's <laughs> a great, great. <laughs> my favourite books. Yeah. No. Fantastic. Uh, look, Kerry from Inner Melbourne wants to know uh, where to buy the Corazima that we chatted about earlier. So that was the pink and orange flowering plant which is good for shade um, she says it's not on the Karanga list but that's probably oh. just because we're useless um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, we have it all the time, we have it year round yeah. and I don't feel I, th- I think you might be able to get it other places, maybe it's not very uh, common by any stretch of the imagination but yeah, we definitely have it at Karanga all the time, although definitely worth a shot, just give us a buzz to make sure that we do, otherwise you might prove me a liar um, but yeah, so that was the Corizima cordatum or the heartleaf flame pea, which is such a cute little plant. So, it's so, so cute. It's and it's nice. such a big pop of colour too. Yeah. Like you can see it from miles away in the nursery just to see of them. So yeah. we, we have them in stock a lot. Yeah, yeah. And boy, oh boy, they're... Even though we're in the middle of winter, there is so much in flower, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Natives and, yeah. and exotics. Yeah. I can't even say the word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've got lots of hellebores. I've got daffodils oh. and jonquils coming yeah. up. I um, love jonquils. I got one camellia, although I might be shifting it because I want to make space for more dahlias Give in it summer. <laughs> yeah, you can have it. You can go in your collection. You can have another one. <laughs> But yeah. I've got oh, yeah, lots of beautiful natives as well. The grevilleas as well. Oh, don't they look amazing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially the east coast ones and the southern southern Australia ones. I, whereas the Queensland ones tend to prefer a little bit more warmth. warmth. And yeah, mm. well, I mean things like um, oh, man, name's going to elude me. Moonlight. 
Moonlight. Yeah, really a moonlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. moonlight. Yeah, I mean that Beautiful. really seems to flower all year. It's just yeah. quite sensational. Mine does it more in spring and summer. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So, what's um, happening in your garden in terms of uh, organising, shifting, doing uh, a bit of work? Well, definitely the recycled window glass house. That's the oh, big project. Nice. I'd love to try and get that done um, so that I can put this round of seedlings yeah. that'll start fairly soon in, out into it. Um, and yeah, I've got an area around. So the is back. that like get divorced or create a glass house outside? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I okay. think Hubby's a bit sick of the tomato <laughs> seedlings Fair taking enough. over the lounge room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then I've got an area out the back as well. Um, it's a bit of an odd spot. I call it my picking uh, cut flower garden mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's a garden that pretty much has only got plants or flowers in it over summer. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the time it looks a bit miserable. Mm. Um, but that's fine because it's not an area I see all the time. So I try and fill that with dahlias and sunflowers. Mm. Um, and yes, I'm going to move a camellia that's there so mm-hmm. that I've got more space for more dahlias and more sunflowers. Yeah. For my picking garden. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. You don't, you don't feel, I always feel a bit sorry when I'm picking flowers. Especially I know. I remember in, my <laughs> <laughs> in fact, actually, I, I told, I promised Chloe Foster um, that I would talk about, I've got an acacia scarlet blaze mm-hmm. and it's oh, just started amazing. flowering and I'm so proud of myself for it's still being alive. Mm. <laughs> I, and I practiced what I preached. I planted it, I watered it, and I did not water it again. Yep. And uh, for people that don't know, this is one of the few non-yellow acacias. So we've got a thousand species of acacias in Australia, and uh, pretty much they're all yellow or cream. Um, there's a couple of pinks, that, not that we have, and this scarlet blaze, mm. and which I just absolutely love. It's a, a small sort of shrub, probably eventually to about four-ish metres, can form almost like a small tree, a little bit weeping, and those beautiful red flowers. So I did put a photo up, or Liz put a photo up on um, Instagram, but mm-hmm. yeah, so if you want to see that. so but, but I couldn't pick any. I went out to pick some to bring it in. I was mm. like, no, I'm just it. so grateful your flower. <laughs> and you're not dead, that I can't pick, can't pick anything. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of texts that have come through. So oh, earlier somebody wanted to know their banksia was yellowing off a little bit. Mm. So could that, that could be due, so it depends on how much sun it's getting, how much water it's getting. Like yep. sometimes it could be a lack of nutrition maybe yep. um, with the yellowing of the leaves, um, possibly even too much water maybe. A bit um, of logging if the soil was yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it could be that. Um, so either I will, or either of those things. Um, maybe I'd recommend giving it a little bit of a native fertiliser just to give yep. a bit of a feed and just hold back on the watering a little bit maybe. Yeah, and maybe even if none of those work, get a bit of iron chelates onto it. That yeah, can I was going to say iron give the proteaceae mm. a bit of a bit of a boost. And, yeah, so Loretta, who's also on the show, has um, texted in to say, uh, that of course at the uh, Melton Botanic Gardens you will see all of these small eucalypts that Michaela's been chatting on about, and the, oh my goodness, I've they, been dying. They, they no. do your head in, like, yeah. you just run around screaming with excitement. They're just yeah. absolutely amazing. So yeah, if you want to see them in the flesh, um, I mean they've been in for a few years. So, yeah, get to the Melton Botanic Gardens. They're really gorgeous. Um, Okie dokie. Someone has got a stingray indoor plant that is suffering. I don't know what a stingray indoor plant is. It sounds sounds interesting, but it sounds... Okay, so what's going on? One leaf is browned off. Um, 
dropped its leaves yeah, and yellowing. And yellowing. Mm. Sounds suspiciously like overwatering. It, it mm. does, yeah. So whatever you're doing, doing do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're watering it too much, just literally stop watering it. Um, and if you're not watering it up, maybe give it a bit of a soak. Um, probably, you know, a good time to put it into maybe new potting mix, depending on how mm. old it is. And, uh, yeah, just mm. do, do the opposite of what you're doing. Yep. Yeah, I think is is always quite good advice. Michaela, what are you up to for today? Um, Well, that uh, Dracophyllum secundum I was talking about before, I'm actually putting it into its pot Mm -hmm. uh, today, so I'll be potting that up um, and adding it to my collection. Um, yeah, that is such a cool plant. It's almost prehistoric. It's so isn't cool. It? Yeah, it's really cool. We've got it in our fernery too, actually, and it's flowering in our fernery at work at the moment. And that's kind of I was like, ooh, I wonder how that would go indoors. So um, it'll be a nice little trial. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, no plant is an indoor plant, really. No. So <laughs> no, that's right. There's a bunch of native plants which I feel like should go well inside. Things like lily pillies, of course, the, mm. the ficus benjamina, mm. which is the plant that a lot of people start off with as an indoor plant that's a native and that gets to you know whatever it is a 30 meter tree so it just goes to show the types of plants that you can have Mm. in pots indoors Mm. just about creating the right microclimate and and things like that i've heard um avocados grown from seed oh yeah yeah Yeah. that's great my friend she's done that yeah um even things like a coffee plant yep um, or a curry leaf, a true curry leaf Ooh, plant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Especially here in Melbourne, you'd never get a uh, coffee to grow outside. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. How, no. how big's the glass house that you're putting in? Uh, it's going to be about two and a half metres tall, yep. um, but it's only about two metres long by one and a half wide, so it's quite mm. small. I, I describe it as a small pantry. Mm. <laughs> Where are you sourcing the materials from? So we've got all the windows from either hard rubbish and a friend who's knocking down their house. Awesome. Um, yeah, we've just literally driven around and spotted mm. a, a window here and a window there. Yeah. I would like to buy um, just a small stained glass feature window. So I'm doing a bit of uh, you know, Googling to try and find a second-hand one, mm. um, just a small one. Mm. Spend a bit of money on that, but then, yeah. Just a bit of muscle is required. Where are you putting it? Um, So in our backyard there, if you jump on and you have a look on my Instagram, you'll see there was a kiddie gym climbing thing with a slide in the backyard. Mm -hmm. So that's been turfed and it's going in that spot. Do the boys know about that? Well, they put the front yard (laughs) down. They're going to go inside and go, hang on, on what's going on here? Well, since they're older now, they tend to play more in the front yard where there's a bigger lawn space, there's ropes to swing off, you know, cliffs to climb and a giant trampoline. So they prefer it out there anyway. Awesome, awesome. Hey, look, guys, we have come to the end. I can't believe oh. it. I think we could actually sit in here for, oh, you gosh. know, four or five hours and, and just keep yucking about plants. We totally could. <laughs> so, look, this uh, was the 3CR Gardening Show. There was a couple of callers who um, we didn't get, into, get to. So, Wendy from um, Vermont about your Protea. Um, I'll address that next week. Um, I would like to uh, give a big thank you to Liz for doing our phones and our socials. A huge thank you to Karina, um, who's the gardening show support team, and she's amazing. Uh, thank you so much to Chloe and Michaela for coming in. You yeah, guys have been absolutely amazing. It's been terrific to listen to your knowledge. And thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning into the garden show. So until next week, bye-bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.